Seth Rollins now back into the ring. I'm just saying, wait, wait, wait. Do not use that, okay? Think about what you're doing. So you you do not want to go where you're about to go. You do not want to do that to yourself by doing that to the fiend. No, 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 don't do it! Welcome to our Hell in a Cell post show. I'm John Pollock along with Wei Ting. And what a show we have for you tonight. Welcome everybody. If you are listening live or if you are listening later in podcast form, we welcome you. That's right. Yep. Uh, Hello to everybody in the chat room right now. Uh, And if you're listening on the free feed, uh, enjoy the rest of the show. We're also up on YouTube if you want to see this show as well. Yes. I don't even know where to start. I don't know what I've just watched. We are coming off the Hell in a Cell event from the Golden One Center in Sacramento, California. Yeah. That, as I last checked in, featured an arena full of people chanting refund. So if that's not a teaser for what is to come uh, with our review, if you have somehow missed this show or not heard about what happened, this was an all-timer. This was a, a show of maybe it will be of legendary proportions one day. I felt like everything was going good until maybe about the halfway point. And then this show to me just actually got sucked. off to a very good start. The main, yeah. the main show. Mm-hmm. But we had a pay per view that was totally lost in the shuffle. That was not a priority this week. That we started off the day with four matches, and I would say up until about three p.m. or so, that is the lineup we had. And then it was just a bunch of announcements made through the WWE during mm-hmm. the afternoon to fill out this card. So the result. It wasn't even as though we had programs that had been set up on TV that you could easily just uh, pull the trigger on and do matches. It was a lot of cold matches, or it was matches that we have seen to death that meant nothing for this audience. And this audience was checked out, as was Mm -hmm. I, for a lot of this. Like This was a show that almost felt like we are required to deliver you a four-hour show, even though we've got... I'd say an hour's worth on paper. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, I feel like if if there was a better day for this particular show within the month, I mean, coming right off of, you know, arguably your two biggest, maybe even three biggest TV shows of the year right now between Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, was this the best time to hold a pay-per-view, knowing that any type of build that you have towards it is going to be taken up by uh, promotion for the other things? Which I can I can look at that this was not a very well built up pay per view, but there there is no excuse for the main event. You, oh yeah, you booked a main event that you had no finish for, and you came up with maybe the most ridiculous concept possible that doesn't exist in one night. It is to me was destroying a concept that has been in this company for twenty years at this point, and you could argue twenty two years that was just destroyed in the end result of this whole thing i feel like it did 
a bit of damage to the great momentum that this new character, the Fiend, has built up as well, which I think is even more unfortunate. Yeah, we will we will talk about it more, but um, an unprecedented finish uh, yeah. to Hell in a Cell. Uh, later on, af- after we get through our review, we'll get to your feedback from the message board, but we'll also be taking your phone calls for this. So I look forward to hearing uh, a lot of you guys. So maybe we'll try to get through our review maybe that much quicker just so that we can uh, hear from some of you because I'm sure you guys will have plenty to say. All right. Well, let's just dive right into the show. Um, we started off on the kickoff show. We had Jonathan Coachman, Booker T, Charlie Caruso, and Sam Roberts on the panel. And the additional matches that were announced during the day, we were going to get Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross against the Kabuki Warriors for the WWE Women's Tag Titles, Baron Corbin versus Chad Gable, the OC versus the Viking Raiders, and a mystery partner. And on the kickoff show, Natalia versus Lacey Evans in their latest chapter. And kickoff started, uh, we had... Uh, the panel going over the matches, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross were interviewed, and this is where we're trying to figure out, are they heels, are they baby faces? The answer is both, because Alexa Bliss was annoyed that they had to face the Kabuki Warriors, but Nikki Cross brought up that they did beat Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville a few weeks ago, which Bliss dismissed. So we would go into this match where one of them would be playing heel, the other would be playing babyface. What I didn't expect was that we would have more questions about that match because of the opponents. The whole thing has been such a mess. And, you know, you you would figure the match itself to give you a bit more clarity, but that was really not the case because it turns out they were trying to build a heel turn for the other team as well. Uh, but n- you wouldn't have known any of that coming out of this. I mean, I think Nikki and Alexa's whole entire dynamic since they've become champions has been pretty bad, like pretty miscommunicated anyway. For the most part, they have been baby faces because they've been facing heel teams. But that's never been explicitly stated. You haven't necessarily felt, seen like any type of like, you know, course of action that would lead you to think that, you know, the Alexa Bliss especially is a firm good guy. And they've just kind of like froze him at that point to this place where Nikki is obviously a very likable person, but Alexa, I think by her nature is more so a heel. And they decided to just basically, you know, present them as, as they were here, which yeah. I think ultimately just confused everybody. And our presentation of these two has largely just been losing to Sasha Banks and Bailey in mm-hmm. different forms over the last month as well. Kayla Braxton interviewed Charlotte Flair. She ignores the match from clash of champions where Bailey drew her into the turnbuckle to beat her and points out how she submitted Bailey on Friday night SmackDown. And Kayla asked her, do you think you can repeat what you did on Friday to her? Uh, To which Charlotte said, no, of course not. So I'm going to forfeit the match. Lacey Evans versus Natalia. This featured a joke from Jerry Lawler that did not go well, uh, at least on Twitter. He said that when Lacey Evans was deployed to Afghanistan, she was shot at by both sides. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd figure like Lawler at this go around, like you figured he'd, he'd have a bit of a better sense of, I think, what might work or what might not work in 2019. I mean, do you think that that joke would have been questioned at all in the 90s? Maybe not, right? Would have been perfectly fine. Uh, pre... Pre nine eleven, I think yes. Uh, it's probably you know. Oh, it's 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 the king. It's Jerry it's Lawler. the king making a king joke. Yeah. I think post nine eleven, uh, when you're talking about <laughs> Afghanistan with a woman that is a marine, uh, 
just bad judgment here. Really I, bad. I, I just probably really, a joke you could easily retire. Really terrible. Natalia transitioned to an armbar. This was like a really simple match. It was just Natalia um, utilizing a lot of different submissions and Evans not going above and beyond what her skill set is. And it was it was like fine. You can see the benefits of these two working so often together and. You could make the argument, this is how Lacey Evans probably should have been slowly integrated to the main roster, is just working with Natalia nonstop before we went to a 10 and put her in title programs to where I think she's kind of diminished in everyone's eyes as kind of a also-ran that's now been relegated to lower on the card as they're trying to rebuild her up. Mm-hmm. Um Evans got in control, worked over the left knee. At one point, she teased a sharpshooter, but that was stopped with an upkick. And then later, Evans was kicked to the floor. Evans missed her twisting moonsault. And then Natalia applied the sharpshooter, tapping out Lacey Evans at 9 minutes and 21 seconds. I thought this, you know, for its place on the card, I thought it was a perfectly acceptable match, especially by Lacey Evans' standards. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, it's a program designed largely to give Lacey Evans reps. She is facing perhaps the best teacher on the women's roster. And so for that reason, I can't hate on it. What I can be critical of is the fact that they presented this like, what, four times now? Oh, it's been done to death on and TV. And they're, they're going to do it again tomorrow. They're doing This was the setup for a last woman standing match on Raw. Like, no controversy out of this finish. It was... Why? why? I... To give Lacey Evans reps, I suppose. Um, it's a storyline that I think has captured nobody's attention from the get-go. And the fact that they're running into the ground, I think just, you know, makes people moan at this point. So I, 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 it's, a, it's a match that belongs on a house show. If you're going to present it on TV, give us a bit more variation. After the match, Natalia struck her and left her laying in the ring as well. So kind of uh, her retaliation for the woman's right that she has taken. Sarah Schreiber interviewed Ali about his recent setbacks and got interrupted by Randy Orton discussing momentum. And he said he uh, Orton said he remembers when Ali had momentum and he stomped it out and Ali challenged him for a match later tonight. And Randy accepted. Yeah. For momentum, for momentum. That's literally what they're fighting over. Ali doesn't have any Randy, I guess has a mythical amount inside of him. And by Ali beating him, he will, through osmosis, by pinning him, be able to breathe in that momentum, and it will catapult his career. That's how it works. That's our story. Yeah. The main show kicked off with, I think we can uh, give out a spoiler and say, the hands-down match of the night Yeah, between Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. Our- no, no cruiserweight match. Is that telling? I was not surprised. I think the cruiserweights have slowly been... Um, taken off of the Raw and SmackDown. And I think you're going to see them as, you know, where we're getting the title match on NXT this week. I think that's where we will, that where we will see them. Hmm. So Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, Raw women's title match inside the hell in a cell. Banks immediately jumps uh, Lynch as the cell was lowering. So they end up outside as the structure comes down and Lynch then entered and they attempted to lock the door, but Lynch takes the chain and wraps it around her fist to attack Banks with it. And eventually Becky would come over, put the chain around the door and lock it shut. They came up with a lot of creative use of weapons here. Lynch got a ladder from underneath, but that got stopped by Banks attacking her with a chair. Then Lynch recovered and drop kicked Banks several times into the cell. 
And then Sasha came off the apron with a meteora driving Becky into a ladder that was in the upright position against the cell. And Becky just smashed into that, that ladder, as did Sasha, who came off the, this apron at a, at a fairly high speed. Lynch then got seated in a chair inside the ring and was hit with another meteora as Sasha came off the middle turnbuckle. And they also had a chair set up where Banks took two drop toeholds onto the chair, like the Raven spot, and her face just collided with this chair. And then on the floor, they had in the corner of the cell, they had like two kendo sticks lodged in the corner, and then they placed a chair on top of the kendo stick. So you have this this chair that's elevated on the cell structure. And what happened was, was Banks got elevated to sit on the chair, and Lynch ran off the apron with a running drop kick and she got significant height on this so everyone's watching Sasha tumble off this chair down to the floor but Becky is taking this running drop kick and just landing down on her hip this just looked brutal for both women yeah yeah it was it was a very interesting new spot that I probably hurt Becky a bit more than it did Sasha but it looked cool uh, there was a table brought in. She got stopped with a backstabber. They fought into the corner. And then Lynch was put through the table with a meteora. Big kick out by Becky. The crowd reacted to that. Then they littered the, the ring with chairs. And as the chairs were set up in the ring, Becky hit a exploder off the turnbuckle, placing Sasha onto all the chairs and then placed uh, applied the disarm her. And Sasha submitted at 21 minutes and 22 seconds. I thought this was outstanding between these two. I thought it was a really good match, you know. They've been doing these Hell in a Cell matches for 20 years now, so it's always impressive to me anytime somebody can find a way to be innovative within it. And I thought this was a match where the two of them, especially Sasha, was able to exhibit a great deal of creativity using weapons within a Hell in a Cell structure. Um, I think, you know, the violent expectations of a Hell in a Cell allowed them to probably take a lot more risk than they need to typically and I think you definitely saw that with the amount of damage what both women took. In particular, I felt Sasha here. Here, It was a bit more violent and I think lived up to, to the expectation of like, you know, what you would expect from a Hell in a Cell match these days more so being like really brutal, no DQ matches rather than, you know people falling off of like a high structure. Yeah, they're very limited in these Hell in a Cell matches when you can't use blood, when you're certain restrictions. And I thought the creativity was was great in this match. They worked super hard and I thought they did a great job here and they had, the crowd was very much into this match. So yeah, um, this was solid. I thought this was by far the best thing on the show. There was like a really nice close-up as well of Sasha on the ramp, just right. like looking all teary-eyed. I really thought Sasha was excellent in this match. Yeah, they played it up after where Sasha is just like heartbroken that she has lost this match. Yeah. It's the uh, her her latest loss to, to Becky. She fails mm-hmm. to win the title. It was it was done very effectively. So uh, that was great. Um, after that, we go to. Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan against Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. And this has been changed to a tornado match. Mm -hmm. So we have no need for for tags in this one. Pretty much like right out of the gate, Bryan hitting a dive onto Harper while Reigns was in the ring with Rowan. And Harper and Rowan had the advantage on Bryan early on while Reigns was on the floor. Bryan got beaten down and... As he came back, he was starting to land some yes kicks when Harper yanked him to the floor and Reigns hit a drive-by, but Harper hit a suicide dive, crashing into the desk. 
Brian was then dropped face first on the apron. They double teamed Reigns, even broke off a piece of the barricade to drive into Reigns. Brian then avoided on the tables uh, their version of the killer bomb that Lance Archer and Davey Boy Smith Jr. used to do. He blocked us with a Hurricane Rana that sent Luke Harper off the announcer's desk while Roman Reigns ran across the desks, spearing Rowan uh, off. And that looked great. In the ring, Harper blocked a top rope Hurricane Rana from Brian, powerbombing him off. And then Harper ends up eating a Superman punch, the running knee from Brian, and a spear from Roman Reigns as Reigns and Brian win 16 minutes, 46 seconds. It was a really high-paced match, very hard-hitting between these four. I thought it was actually really good. You know, I think the Bludgeon Brothers, which they aren't calling them that anymore. It's just Harper and Rowan. Uh, They're always great together. Harper especially. You know, I think he brings an intensity and a fearlessness when you see him in there that's been sorely missed. To me, this was a match that was largely built on Brian, kind of playing the babyface in peril with really well-timed comebacks from Roman. Very big, satisfying table spots. Overall, I thought it was really good. This was a good match. I thought second best match on the show. And I was kind of worried because these two matches at the start... Um, afterwards, it was like a lot of cold matches and then whatever. Afterwards, it was a lot. I didn't even know what was afterwards because after these were two of the announced matches and then you had Sasha and Bailey that was just announced after Friday and then you had the main event. That was it. I mean, that was, um, everything else was pretty much impromptu or or what they announced on the kickoff. So yeah, they kind of put two of uh, your, your bigger matches out immediately. Yeah. So that was, you know, you got a solid first, I would say, 45 minutes of the show from these two matches. But then it was kind of back down to earth. So, I mean, much of it, it, it depends on the story. None of these other matches, save for the main event that was to come, had any type of story attached to it. It was just three matches on the show, the main event and then these two. Then Charlie interviewed Seth Rollins and... He says the fiend will be the greatest test of his career, which would prove to be accurate. Yeah, his delivery, I thought, was really bad. It was all his catchphrases yeah. and then saying, I'm going to have to burn it down. He's like trying to sound super serious, but at the same time trying to inject these like t-shirt catchphrases. Randy Orton versus Ali. When they announced this match, I was interested to see this because this is the kind of opponent that usually you get the more creative stuff out of Randy Orton, but the the crowd did not care about this. Ali got dropped onto the announcer's desk and then sternum first on the floor as Orton is uh, in control and Ali is selling the ribs. And anytime Ali would fight back, Orton would just cut him off by attacking the midsection. Then Ali hit a suicide dive. So, mm-hmm. recovered momentarily. He hit the rolling face buster, got a two count. Orton then hit a power slam. And after he hit the power slam, the crowd starts chanting RKO, which is not a good sign for Ali, your, no. your underdog baby face. And other than chanting for the RKO, like that was it. They were not really reacting to much. Ali caught him with a tornado DDT, then missed with a 450 and proceeded to hit Randy with a draping DDT. Ali then countered the RKO with a handstand. And so Orton takes the bump, but Ali goes onto his hands. And then he used a crucifix for a two count. Ali went for another rolling face buster and rolled right into an RKO, which was a well-timed finish. And Randy wins in 12 minutes and 10 seconds. I I thought the work was fine here, but this was just a cold match. There was nothing to build this up. And the crowd got um, like 30 minutes notice that this match was happening. And it was Mm -hmm. just, uh, and Ali, to me, it really tells you where he is in the fans' eyes at the moment. He was someone that, did have a lot of uh, the momentum that he was fighting for, but does not have it now. 
And this was a crowd that was more interested in seeing an RKO than they were Ollie winning this match. I think it would have been a fun match, you know, if this was a house show, even if it was a TV show. And it would have been a fine match on a pay-per-view maybe if it took place in 1994. But I think in 2019, your audience is paying money to go see a pay-per-view, have bigger expectation. And despite the fact that these two have really good chemistry together and that this was a good match, you know, the lack of build and Ali's lack of exposure recently. And overall, this was a slower Orton pace match, which I think requires story to really justify. It resulted in a very quiet crowd. So, you know... I would say very quickly, this was a crowd that was ready for this one to wrap up, and they just really wanted to see that move. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus Asuka and Kairi Sane for the WWE Women's Tag Titles. We went over the heel-babyface dynamic of the champions. Then we had Wave's favorite entrance in professional wrestling, the Kabuki Warriors, coming out to their crossfade theme music. They worked on Bliss in their corner, and then... This is where I started to wonder because Asuka starts attacking the ankle and they cut off the ring and it's Asuka and Kyrie getting getting the heat on Alexa Bliss. So already my mind was just hurting. Sane gets the tag and she's in and she goes to walk the plank and walks into the corner and pokes Nikki Cross in the eyes. So the Kabuki Warriors are now doing the heel tactics, at least to Nikki Cross. Cross then gets the tag, and she fires up on Kyrie Sane, got her boots up as Sane went for the insane elbow, and then Cross hits Sane with a swinging neckbreaker off the top. Asuka makes the save, and then Asuka attacked Cross with these Kawada kicks, and she's playing like the bully heel here. And then, with Asuka in the ring with Nikki Cross, she sprays the green mist into Cross's face, and then kicks her in the head to pin her in 10 minutes and 25 seconds as the Kabuki Warriors win the WWE Women's Tag Titles. Uh, They felt like they were heels two minutes into this match, and then they solidified it at the end. So I I, I just thought this was such a confusing match if you're trying to look at just the dynamics of how this was supposed to work. But I will say at least Asuka and Kairi Sane are... I, I think Kairi Sane as a heel is not where I would have cast her, but here we are. Uh, Asuka, I mean, just greatly needed something. So, I mean, this is better than where they were. Has she ever sprayed mist it before in her WWE career? Uh, I'm trying to think if she ever did it in NXT. It's not coming to mind. I don't I don't think so. I know she's probably done it in Japan a couple times. But God, like, to me, this just came out of nowhere. And I, I suppose, yeah, she's a heel and she's Asian. Therefore, she can spray mist. I guess I'm still... They were all out of uh, powder and salt. I'm, I'm still waiting for my mist abilities to, to develop later on in, in life. Um you know, I, I think they, they in their minds, they feel like they did a good enough job of solidifying Alexa and Nikki as baby faces prior to this, uh, which I think makes that interview at the beginning all the more confusing because I think in their minds, Alexa is like sort of your, you know, um, like a baby face, but somebody who's who doesn't fully want to conform to, to, to you know, being a baby face. Yet in this match, I mean, it it's clear that people don't necessarily buy Alexa Bliss as a babyface quite yet with what they've done so far. And on top of that, I don't think they did a really good job here with Asuka and Kairi Sane positioning them as heels without any character motivation whatsoever. We haven't seen them in weeks. We haven't seen any sort of personality come out from the both of them. So there really is no attachment to them as anything other than great wrestlers, which is enough for people to want to cheer them. But to all of a sudden... 
you know, have them cut the ring off and try to, you know, uh, uh, put the heat on Alexa was just completely ineffective, I felt. And by the end of it, Mist coming out of Asuka's mouth out of nowhere, I thought was really uh, poorly handled. And I think just uh, poorly executed. New tag champions. AJ Styles. Do you, do you think that this was done for a reason? Do you think that they were going to split Alexa and Nikki up? Um, I don't think they should because they put all this into them that to split them now would seem um, premature. Um, we also like to me, like they're now pushing the draft and throughout the night, they're talking about how everyone wants to improve their standing going into the draft and each brand wants to be the best. We don't know how this draft works. Is this a random pick? Is this, do you just get to pick whoever are champions? What happens to the women, the, the women's tag champions? Like you have all these questions and of course there's answers to them, but the by just announcing this tomorrow night on Raw, one show before, you just you eliminate the possibility for fans to get excited about this and to actually think of scenarios because you don't even know how this draft works. You don't even know what what they're even going to do. Well, in their defense, they had a lot of other things to promote last week, so they haven't really had the time to focus on the draft other than on this show. So I'm guessing you'll get some of that tomorrow. I also believe that this will probably be very much like the initial draft that we've seen. Uh, like two years ago, two or three years ago, where everybody's up for grabs. I don't think this is just a shakeup. Otherwise, they would call it a shakeup. No, and I don't think the shakeup has was not a very big ratings mover this past. Like you get, you got a bit of a uptick in audience, but it has been reduced from years prior because it was very anticlimactic. It was just people walked out. There was no rhyme or reason. It was not why is that person here? Mm-hmm. Um, and a draft is something you can you can do it and make it really exciting, and you can make it um yeah. something important, but. They've also, you know, the idea of someone being uh, on Raw or SmackDown, I don't think that means a whole lot in and of itself because everyone's synonymous with every show. Yeah. It feels like there was there was little reason to do this match and to do the title change other than to separate Alexa and Nikki. You know, and this was announced this afternoon. Yeah. And on top of that, like, I see nothing for the Kabuki Warriors after this. Holding those belts thus far has meant nothing to anybody who's ever uh, held them other than Sasha and Bailey at the beginning. But beyond that, you know, it's just a prop. And I doubt that we continue to see the Kabuki Warriors that much on TV. I don't really know how they're going to work as a heel act. AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson versus the Viking Raiders, who revealed their mystery partner to be Braun Strowman. Strowman was pulled off the apron by Gallows and then uh, dropped uh, with, with a kick. Styles had control of Ivar, and then Strowman eventually got the hot tag. He fired up on everybody, delivered the running shoulder tackles, but then got sent into the post shoulder first, and then AJ worked on his knee, applied the calf crusher. Ivar broke that up, and then Styles took out Eric with the phenomenal forearm. Anderson chop-blocked Strowman's knee, and they triple-teamed Strowman, which was too much. And the disqualification was called at 8 minutes and 15 seconds. My mm. question was, why was this even on the show? I'll correct that. The reason this was on the show was for one reason, and that was to establish, which they did in the aftermath, where Strowman got to make his comeback, and he drilled AJ with a right hand because he's doing this program with Tyson Fury. So the whole point of this was to establish Braun Strowman has a lethal right hand. 
And this was the presentation to tell that story. So he couldn't have finished the match? Wouldn't, wouldn't that have been the best way to establish that right hand? By knocking out AJ and leading to a pinfall? Like, even if you feel Luke Gallows is just, he's just <laughs> too vital to beat on this nothing pay-per-view. You're telling me there is not any person that could have just come out, done a heel promo, the music hits, everyone pops for Braun, and then Braun just lays out a guy in record time, beats yeah. him, and he wins with his knockout punch. Simple. Yeah. Yeah, for that reason, I thought this was stupid. But I think also just the fact that this was a match that you're demanding the audience's attention for, despite the fact that you haven't set up the reason why this match was happening, nor really done any sort of prep work to get the crowd invested anyway, to say, fuck you, haha, we got you, by giving them a DQ finish after the fact, I thought was really, really lame for a pay-per-view. Like, it, <laughs> the, the poor person who decided to buy this on terrestrial pay-per-view oh my god sixty dollars or however much oh maybe i'll take a chance i really enjoyed friday night smackdown maybe i'll p- buy that hell on a cell pay-per-view and then you got this i feel bad for that person like it's you know it's a great question that you know we granted the terrestrial numbers are not what they were before even but it's the not, network th- even if you signed up for the network but they're not nothing they're not nothing yeah. like there are people like a decent number that that spent money on the there, on this. There was no reason you couldn't have had a finish for this match. Absolutely not. This thing was not announced till this afternoon, and you're telling me, well, we we just we just can't beat any of these people. Well, why is this match happening? Why can we not have a body in there that can just just lose to this right hand? Done. So this was a mess. Viking Raiders fought off Gallows and Anderson as well after all of this. And then the comedy at the end was Styles having to sell the knockout as he comes back to consciousness. And he's asking Gallows and Anderson what day it is. And he's all messed up from the punch as he wobbles to the back. And AJ was just so over the top here. Yeah. I don't know if he was trying to be over the top. I guess in a wrestling context, you kind of have to be. But it was more, I thought it really funny. More than like, wow, Mm -hmm. He's really hurt. And Monday night, Tyson Fury is going to be on Raw from Bakersfield, California. And I, I guess that's where they're they're shooting this angle for Fury and Braun Strowman. What do you think? A match or a boxing match? Um, I mean, obviously here they're setting this up with uh, with Braun having um, the same power as your uh, lineal heavyweight champion. Yeah. Um, God, a, a boxing match sounds like terrible. I think maybe just you go with a match. Do you, do you expect it to be a singles? You don't see it's going to be anyone else involved, like like some kind of tag to protect Fury? I don't think so. So, yeah, that's, I imagine that'll all be shot Monday night. The Street Profits are backstage. They're loving this show. Maybe because they didn't have a monitor. I'd love to, for one week, see them actually be critical. <laughs> ah, this should have been a finish Damn. in the last match. <laughs> a DQ? In that? So they get interrupted by Carmella, who was... Uh, beaten uh, got rolled up sorry carmella shows up and she's got the 24 7 title and she gets rolled up by tamina who wins the 24 7 title yeah that was it tyler breeze then showed up he's back from nxt he shows up tamina just decks him drops tyler breeze and runs off with the title as r-truth and carmella set out to find tamina mm-hmm. that's it i guess he was just around sure yeah King Corbin versus Chad Gable was next. Um, amazingly, the crowd was chanting STD at the beginning of this, although it didn't really last. Corbin got on the mic. He said he put the rock in his place on Friday, made a bunch of short jokes about Gable, 
and said that he hopes that Gable's career is like his legs, short, and says that he is now going to be known as Shorty Gable, which Corey Graves definitely got the memo. Oh, yeah. And that's all he was referred to in this match by Graves. Gable came out of the gate, bunch of kapu kicks, and on the third one, Corbin caught him and chokeslammed him. Corbin took over the match. This crowd flatlined. Gable made a comeback with forearms, yelled at Corbin, hit the chaos theory. Corbin kicked out of that. And then Corbin hit the deep six for a two count. Gable blocked the end of days, hit the moonsault off the top, and then transitioned to the ankle lock. And, you know, when they think Gable is on the cusp of winning, the crowd does liven up. And Corbin ended up rolling to the floor after reaching the rope, grabbed his scepter, and the referee tried to power the scepter away, allowing Gable to roll him up for the three count and win the match in 12 minutes and 40 seconds. So they did pop for the finish, but again, this was a dead crowd up until the Gable spots at the end. I found that sort of unfortunate because I'm still, I still remember the King of the Ring final and then even the match after that where it felt like there was a great deal of like, you know, um, audience interest in seeing Chad Gable defeat Baron Corbin. But since then, I think, we, first of all, we haven't seen Chad Gable in, in a while. Baron Corbin's just been relegated to that, you know, like a jester for for The Rock. And so you're kind of left like forgetting all the great in-ring action that these two actually had in the world in the King of the Ring. So to me, like seeing this match three weeks later, it felt like a low to mid card, you know, meaningless match rather than something that, you know, was a rematch that culminated a wonderful tournament that we all got to see. It felt unimportant and it's really disappointing because i feel like both these men did great job in that tournament this match to me may be a good match but given the lack of stakes and the lack of build i really just couldn't really get into it especially with all the graves shorty jokes yeah and this just seemed to be the setup for the the shorty g stuff that i just think why like you know again this tournament was so good but in the end of it you have two comedy guys you have two punchlines. Yeah. like it's just I don't know. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, what I want to see is like, let's try and make some stars. We badly need stars. And it's like, we come up with this stuff and it's like, great. We have Chad Gable, who's a great, great performer, but man, he's like, and you have STD and STD. Like, that's awesome. That's great that we have these people that people will laugh at. People will say, oh, they're over. It's It's, like, what what does over mean? It's fine to have comedy guys. It's just, I would separate that from your serious wrestling tournament, which I feel like that was at least a bit of an attempt to create. Uh, Then we saw the international announcers introduced and Tamina ran by them and grabbed Funaki as a shield with R-Truth chasing her. And Tamina then turned around and was hit with a super kick from Carmella. And R-Truth was the one to pin Tamina and win the 24-7 title for the 20th time. So Carmella had it, what, for like a week? I guess, yes. Yeah. And then what? Well, well, she flipped it with or, Marshmallow. Or two weeks, maybe. You know, I thought, I thought they would actually like uh, do more with the women's division with the 24-7 title, but... I guess they don't. We're really, going back to our truth. They don't really have the bodies to spare. Bailey and Charlotte SmackDown women's title. Uh, in this match, both tried to work on the other's knee. Bailey wrapped it around the left leg around the post as she's working on the leg. Flair then turned the table. She wrapped the leg around the post, hit natural selection, but Bailey grabbed onto the bottom rope. 
Flair attempted a moonsault from the top, but landed on Bailey's knees, and they go to the floor. She caught Bailey with a fallaway slam, and then Bailey executed a roll up while placing her feet on the rope, but this time the referee caught her. So Flair got up, spun Bailey around, and applied the figure eight, and Bailey submitted in 10 minutes and 13 seconds as Charlotte wins her 10th women's title, they stated. Mm-hmm. So she's going after um, her, dad, her dad's record in uh, four years. She has hit. 10. I feel like she will get to 50 by the time she's retired. At I, this rate. That, that's probably a, a solid yeah. bet. Um, the match I thought was fine. Again, I think the reaction to it was pretty cold. There was no build to this match other than that quick tag team defeat on Friday. So at least that was something. But it was certainly not enough to get people invested in any sort of story in this match. Nor were they ready, I feel, for a title change. It just felt... Um, Bailey has done nothing with this belt, or they've done nothing with Bailey, who's been holding this belt. It just didn't feel like a big deal, Charlotte winning this. It just just felt feel like you're resetting, you know, which is what what I feel like a lot of these title changes on this on this show were done to do, heading to the draft. But again, we don't know. Does this mean she's on SmackDown? Are these titles? uh, They've got to explain all that stuff. I feel. I feel like the champions would stay unless they swapped it. But this is a SmackDown championship, so I feel like she. Should stay on SmackDown, but you would think you would think. I don't know. You know, at least with Charlotte holding the belt, I feel the belt may be a bit more prominently featured. For whatever reason, it was pretty evident they weren't really behind Bailey as a main act. You know, Sasha coming back really took a lot of her her focus away, for better or worse. Um, you can argue Bailey wasn't really ready. Like, has she really evolved as a character? Has his heel character done enough to 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 you know warrant a main event slot? Right. I mean, to be honest, like given all the the, uh, PR that Charlotte did for the buildup to Fox, you could have argued you could have thrown out the women's tag match and just done this, you know, in front of a larger audience, positioning Charlotte as, you know, your champion going into this Fox era that (laughs) it just felt like this was just so under the radar on this show, like doing this title change with Charlotte that um, I know we shouldn't be arguing like this pay-per-view meaning even less, but it meant less. It meant nothing on this show. So, um that was it. It was, like the match was fine, but I I've seen much better between these two. Uh and they put the camera on Bailey afterwards. So it was oh, very yeah. much like the Sasha thing. But but she Bailey, she was having like this overly like a temper- comical tantrum like a child where Sasha was done more seriously. Yeah, like Bailey was like screaming like why does it always have to happen to me? Yeah, I was expecting them to play like uh Travis. Why does it always rain on Bailey? Oh, yes. So, you know, you can expect some sort of follow-up with both uh losers on on this show. Um, but I feel like the Sasha one was was handled with a bit more seriousness. And the match, I think, came across obviously better as well. And uh, then they aired promos for Crown Jewel. Um, they didn't state where it's taking place, though. Do you, you think they will? Well, I mean, last last show they mentioned Saudi Arabia, didn't they? Or re- at least the, the name of the city? I Jeddah? think they ended up saying uh, Jeddah. Jeddah or, this one's Arabia. in Riyadh. Um, anyway, they just promoted Team Flair versus Team Hogan, which they said is for the first time ever. Which is, it's actually not. Uh, TNA beat them to that one. Um, so yeah, 1 p.m. start time on October 31st for that show. Kayla Braxton interviewed Shorty. Oh, I'm sorry. And Gable says, oh, it's fine. You can call me Shorty. He's Shorty Gable now. He's okay with it. What an awful name. Terrible. What an awful, awful name. Yeah. Even if it's as a joke, even if you're giving him all the biggest wins in the world oh. to, to call, even if he main events WrestleMania, to give him the name Shorty. This is Shorty Gable. 
Like it just sounds. They went like, with it. Like I thought that was just a, a rumor, like a myth. You know that was spread. Oh on no, the no, it was the only difference is it was going to be Shorty G, and it looks like they're going with Shorty Gable. Oh, now. way better, way better. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, can't, you can't take away his last name. Uh, he tells uh, Kayla that he can, she can go ask Baron Corbin how it felt like to come up short, and said that his win, this Olympian, by the way, said that tonight's win was bigger than anything I've ever accomplished. <laughs> what a life he has lived. Well, I guess he didn't win at the Olympics, so. This was bigger than that. I would say making the Olympic team is an accomplishment. I would I would classify that as, no. a, as a great accomplishment. Baron Corbin at no. Hell in a Cell no. 2019. They're in Sacramento on October the 6th. And he proved that I am the bigger man. And then Corbin just beat the shit out of him backstage. I was just done. <laughs> just absolutely done with I this. thought in the promo, despite the fact that Kayla called him shorty and Chad was okay with it, Gable actually came across pretty good with some of the lines that he was given. Kayla's also just as short as this guy. Yeah, but we're supposed. Announcers are supposed. The question to be is: Was Kayla wearing her shoes or not? Chad Gable's not even that short. You see him on two hundred five live. There are people that are no. are way shorter. But anyway, like I thought, Gable actually came across pretty well with what he said. But then immediately, here comes the Baron Corbin train just to take it all away. So I don't know what the point of that was. I don't know what the point of giving him the win was. If you're just going to take it away right right here at the end of this match or at the end of this segment, you know. I think they all look stupid coming out of it. I think Corbin looks bad coming out of it. Gable looks bad coming out of it. I do want to share the the shoes joke because on SmackDown on Friday night, they did the promo backstage where Aaron Andrews from Fox interviewed the New Day. And this video was, I guess it was some like live stream they had going or whatever it was. And Aaron Andrews is on camera and she's saying, well, this is what happens when you come to WWE. They're ma- she was wearing like these heels and she was explaining, they're making me take my heels off so I don't look taller than the New Day. And she's, try- she's, th- she's doing it very lightheartedly, but it really has the tone of this place is nuts. I've been a professional broadcaster for my entire career and this is a new level of insanity that I have never encountered before. Even if that wasn't her intent, I think that's how it probably came across. Like, know? it was like, like a woman who's like, I have never it's, thought of such a ridiculous thing. Like, a woman who's interviewed countless athletes in her life and probably been taller than some of them. And, like, no normal person thinks about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they weren't really happy with the fact that one of these trade secrets was leaked like this. <laughs> And then it was time for our main event way. Oh, wait a second. Did you say the main event? Oh, yes. Did you say... Describe the main event, first of all. This is our Hell in a Cell main event between Seth Rollins and The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. And they've found a new way to present Fiend matches. Holy shit. What is happening? What is going on? What have you done, Way? What's going on? Oh my god. It's the feet. Oh Wei my Ting. god. Oh my god. This camera's shaking. <laughs> it's all red. What's going on? Oh, I'd go play with the lights, but I'm Holy not I'm shit. not getting up to do this. This Way, you are you are the production expert. What did you think about this decision to put this this red filter? over the screen for our 17-minute uh, match to proceed. Okay, well, 
Okay, I'm going to turn this shit off. You know, this is not the first time. When they first introduced Kane, they tried this, and they got rid of it quick. Oh, Sin Cara as well. Sin Cara as yeah. well. Like, it's just, it doesn't work. People do not, especially at home, they do not, and in the arena, you, you don't, in the arena, though, like, you wouldn't see it, right? No, yeah, you do. It's, I thought the was, Sin Cara thing was done with, like, I know with the Kane one it was. I thought Sin Cara was, like, a legit filter, but I could be wrong. Regardless. I think this was just light. This was, like, red light that was splashed on on the in the arena yeah well this yeah. was this was for the arena as well but like it looks awful and it's just this is fine for a, a promo segment if bray was to walk out and speak in the ring but for a match the problem is they needed something to distinguish the fiend from a regular wrestling appearance right they needed something so i give them points for making the effort um, I wondered if this would get really annoying by the end of the match and whether it, it, it would affect really like people's viewing of the match itself. The The crowd did get into like near falls. They got to see, you know, all the big kickouts and all that. I just, I think they overthought I it. I think it's overthinking as well. Like the Finn Balor match was fine at SummerSlam. Granted, that was a lot shorter, yeah. but I, I don't think that it would have made any difference to have just done it the regular way. Um, but that was hardly the worst thing about this. So we start the match. Rollins is immediately going for weapons. He gets a kendo stick. They fight on the floor. Rollins brought a table into the ring. He's diving all over the place. Rollins then places Wyatt onto the table and puts him through the table with a frog splash. Then he hits the stomp. Wyatt just stands up. And he caught Rollins with the sister Abigail. Rollins kicks out of that. So then Bray takes Seth's neck and snaps it. He broke his neck <laughs> 10 minutes into the match. It was like straight out of like a Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven oh Seagal movie. Oh my God. You know? Um, and I think I would actually be cool with it. Like if it was, you know, on the same level as like the Mandible Claw or like the same level as the Iron Claw or like the, the Kona Crush, like all that ridiculous stuff that in real life would send you to the grave. But the, he didn't even sell it. This wasn't like, even a two count. This was like a... He didn't even go for a cover here. Twisted his neck and threw him to the outside and Seth was magically all in one piece. Okay. So, listen. I'm watching this. The crowd The crowd is reacting to this character. They're into The Fiend. This is a really wacky presentation. But I'm remaining, like, neutral on this. I'm like, okay, let's just see where this goes. Bray goes underneath the ring. And he pulls out this ridiculous-looking mallet that just looks like, like a like, prize you want at Chuck E. Cheese. Like a to, like a Tom and Jerry, like Harley Quinn type of mallet. This this had to this thing just looks absolutely ridiculous. So ridiculous that I was still able to catch Dio Madden with the defining open-ended question that this man has ever uttered. You've seen what the mallet has done to Ramblin' Rabbit. What will it do to Ramblin' Rollins? And he did not say this with a hint of humor or irony. He was asking this as a legitimate question. And I, I didn't, I just did not know what, what any of this was. I wish JR called this. I am glad he didn't have to. Rollins just attacks him with this flurry. He can't get hit with this mallet. He hits him with another stomp and he goes to the well again where he hits the pedigree. But Bray kicks out at one. Rollins proceeds to hit five more stomps, and the crowd is booing Rollins. They are sick of this guy. Uh, they just want okay. to see the Fiend win. Yeah, th that's what they were booing. At the same time, man, like, 
has he done irreparable damage to the stomp? Oh, I think he did uh, absolute harm to his finisher. Like, he yeah. totally this was just... too much. Like, way too much. Him doing, you know, three versus doing, by the end, end of this, what, ten? It was just nonstop. I don't think it would have made that big of a difference. Like, when it was a big deal that he had to use three of them to beat Brock, and... Yeah. Uh, and then here, it's just... Uh, it, like, this was just comical. It was like, yeah, you don't... This is how you kill finish. He drilled him with a chair shot. Bray kicked out at one again. He then places the chair on his face and drills the chair with a ladder. And Bray continues to kick out. So then Seth goes to the, the Triple H Batista well. He grabs the toolbox, empties out the toolbox, and starts attacking him with the empty metal toolbox. To which I'm just like, what? what is going on here? But then... He crosses a moral and ethical line, one of which I do not condone, even in simulated violence. He went for a weapon that was going to potentially cause a fatality, and it's nothing to laugh about. He reached under, and even in the PG era, Seth Rollins displayed a fully functional, deadly sledgehammer. He stared at the sledgehammer that I'm sure was speaking to him in tongues. And the referee steps in. He's seen a lot of things in this match. Toolboxes, ladders, chair shots to the skull. Do you not think about using that sledgehammer in this ring? Think about what you're going to do, Seth. And Seth said, you want to fire me? I'm already fired. And he hit him with a sledgehammer. And then everybody's ears just rang. They thought that maybe they had been hit with the sledgehammer because they distinctly heard a bell ringing. But it was not inside their head. It was ringside. A bell was rung, and we had a disqualification finish inside of the Hell in a Cell. The same structure that has lived off of the clips of Mick Foley and The Undertaker for 21 years the match that, at one time, was a hell of a tool to draw on pay-per-view with. This was the absolute death of Hell in a Cell, in my opinion. 17 minutes and 3 seconds, Bray Wyatt wins the Hell in a Cell match by disqualification. After all we saw in that opener with Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch on this same show. Forget Mick Foley. What was this? How... How you put together a match where you just have no fucking out, and this is where you go. Like, is there is there one person in the world that you would run this finish by and not expect a crowd to throw garbage at you, or at the very least chant refund, which they all did afterwards. They hated this, and with absolute justification. Absolutely. I think they've really gone too far with their will, like unwillingness to have people lose and to get out of the title situations. I mean, sometimes, especially on a pay-per-view that you spent a lot of time building for a character that's been really hot up until this point, I think you just execute it and do it. And yet, even on a show like this, this was really bad on a number of levels. They did a lot of damage to the, the perception that the Hell in a Cell is your final destination for a feud. Not that this was, but I think for many feuds, it is. It certainly lost its luster, I think, over the last number of years. But this to me was like this to me was an absolute like just killing of this gimmick. You know, this was a pay-per-view crowd that wasn't really given a whole lot to begin with. This was the least 
the show with the least amount of effort I think put into it amongst the the the, the, the other three, amongst the four that we got on WWE TV this week. And they were given a really shitty finish. Uh the stomp I thought was hurt. I thought Rollins was pretty hurt by it, but I was most disappointed by the fact that Bray Wyatt as the fiend has been doing such a great job up until this point. It's been a character that's been protected really well. And I think we all wondered how they would treat this on the, on the match itself, how this, you know, this match would take place with a, a substantial amount of in ring time while at the same time making it seem special. And unfortunately the end result, I think everybody has of this match and even a bit of the character is that this just didn't work. You know, this is not... It was a poor idea not, of a match. Like, you didn't want to match. beat either guy, and you put them in a match where you couldn't get out of it. And yeah. you came out with this, which was terrible on many levels. I think, yeah, absolute harm to Seth Rollins. I do believe The Fiend is such a character that this will not be a... a gigantic stain on him but you're right it was not it was a mistake a lot of people i think predicted this match to be fast like a goldberg type of match and i think that would have been perfectly fine you know have the fiend come out there like two minutes tops lighting effects all this crazy shit he kicks out of the stomp multiple times sister abigail done like let that be that threat that's always lingering the harm is going to be like seth comes out of this like, if you were worried about tiptoeing around crowds booing Seth, this certainly gave a lot of amplification for, like, if Seth comes out to a negative reaction on Monday, I think you will have a problem on your hands. Like, this was, he just came across so um, unpopular in this particular setting. And meanwhile, The Fiend felt like a total babyface at the end of all of this. Like, you had sympathy for this for this monster at the end of it. Uh as crowd, a result of it all. The crowd wanted to see a title change. They they wanted to see a title change. They do like They the wanted to character. see a finish, I would say, at the very least. This was just an awful way to end yeah, this. To the point terrible. that I like I understand like it would be very awkward to follow this, but I one thousand percent would have flipped this with Sasha and Becky. I don't care about that transition. It beats <laughs> the way you ended this show. God, I'm tr- that would send the show into such a sour note for the rest of it though. Would you rather try and recover from this versus end the show on this note? Yeah, I'm what trying, an awful way to leave this show. I mean, I'm really trying to think. Certainly, like the end of Sasha versus Becky would have uh, made the end of the show feel way better because the way this show ended was not a good look at all. At least, like a bad finish is a bad finish, but I, I think it's amplified by being put in the spot where, oh yeah, you know, if you're someone that just gave, like, say you're a, God forbid, you're a fan that just happened to swoop in on Fox on Friday night. But even if you were a fan that typically would buy a WWE pay-per-view or, or sign up for the network, or even even dedicate your Sunday night to and say, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and hopefully I get a good show. And this is what you get. Like, you just feel like, what an idiot I am. I feel bad for those people. I feel bad for the people that paid money to go to this show in person because um – you know, I want to say thank goodness you guys voiced your opinion because they were chanting restart the match. There were AEW chants to close the show and just a huge chorus of boos as the signature came up to to end this broadcast. It really was quite something. And I think hopefully, oh man, I, it's it's been, I feel like quite a while now of like them not necessarily living up to fans' expectations between this, between not delivering Steve Austin 
uh, or, or, or the Sting, Undertaker, or, or the Undertaker on, on their Friday night show. I really thought the Undertaker was their out in this match. That that's at least a storyline they've introduced. Kane was taken out. If you have to do a bullshit finish, you're at least getting the Undertaker unadvertised, and it's a big pop to confront the Fiend. And you come out of this where uh, that is a cool match to some people, the Undertaker and the Fiend, which. You know, Undertaker probably needs someone at Saudi Arabia. Um, that that is where I thought this was going. Uh, mm-hmm. Could not have forecasted this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I thought it was really interesting how uh, this audience was chanting AEW, and that I think that was immediately on everybody's to, to, mind. To put out a show like this, like granted, listen, I'm sure that company was greatly overworked this past week, but it's. The you, fact you, that you committed to doing a pay-per-view and you you have no problem taking people's ticket money and pay-per-view subscriptions. They want a hot product in exchange for that money and they're going to be graded as such. So you came out with like a really it, it's tough. I could not imagine having watched those first two matches on the on the main show saying that this could be lower than a thumbs in the middle. But I have to go thumbs down on this show. I thought it was really Interesting that they were would be daring enough to even attempt something like this, given the state of the competition right now, and that you know there's a huge microscope under them from executives at Fox and also you know your 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 fan base when they, there's a clear alternative out there now for people who aren't satisfied and if they want to voice their opinions about what they don't like about your show, they can go support the other show. I thought at the very least you would give them a a, a decent finish. I think with with two good matches. Out of like however many, this to me was a thumbs down show as well. Yeah, I didn't. And listen, those first two matches, especially the first Hell in a Cell match, I thought it was great, but that could not overcome this four hour show for me. So, uh, very, very bad ending. Phone phone lines are going to be open uh, right about now because we want to hear from all of you. I'm sure a lot of you have plenty to say. One seven three two eight hundred forty four twenty three, or search post wrestling on Skype and call us. Another big feedback night. <laughs> How many? Uh, we're at 36 right now. Okay, we'll so, get to as many as we can. Yes. Uh, we will uh, We will go through those. But um, over on the forum, wait, where, where are you putting this one on a scale? Oh, one to God. Uh, from our forum, I'm going to say four. I'm going two. One for each of the good matches. Okay. A 3.07. <laughs> so there we go. All right. Not a, not a strong performance. Let's go to our first phone call. Caller, you're on the line. What did you think of Hell in a Cell? Hey, guys. It's Paul from New Jersey. Hey, Paul. Uh, hey, guys. And like you said, um, everything past that second match was either pointless, something I thought you could put on Raw the next night, or just downright bad. And, like, it's amazing. Like, especially, like, with the FS1 deal, you think, like, like the way my head would work on that is, like, oh, hey, we have Chad Gable. He's an Olympian. Maybe we can do some sports-related stuff with him. And, and just even, like... Um, watching up up down down and hearing her i'm like why is this woman a stepford wife on acid instead of like the and it's just such an indictment of the characters and uh that main event was like probably one of the worst ones i've seen in a long time and correct me if i'm wrong but i think like three of the last four hell in the cells have had like screwed up finishes which like they killed the hell in the cell for me already but even more so tonight and i just i mean i don't do you guys think – I just figured they should just – why not pull the trigger on have The Fiend uh, win the Universal title and just kind of like dominate Raw as like the spooky show with the cuck stuff and then SmackDown could be like the sports show. Like, I just, look, Paul, listen, I, if you have a strong argument for Rollins is the champion, if The Fiend is the champion, go with it. But to me, 
Don't book a exactly. match where you have no out at the end of it that you're going that you know you have no finish for that you can't do. Don't book the match. It's like that's that's to me the the simple end of it. Like maybe one day the fiend you can put the title on him. If it's not now, don't do this match where you have no way out. You don't want to beat either guy. Like it's just that's very frustrating to me when you go that route with people and for anyone saying wait for the story to play out you've killed the story between these two nobody wants to see this come back in any form after tonight and and paul is right last year's hell in a cell main event of uh, roman reigns versus braun Strowman ended in a no contest as well uh so can we uh <laughs> we forgot uh maybe we have found the true genius of the wwe and that is their watch alongs okay uh, i'm just I hey, was... pa- hey paul thank you for the the call I was sent. Uh, someone sent me this uh, tweet of X Pac's reaction to the finish. Oh boy! I don't know okay. what it is, but you want me to? Can play we it? hear it? I think so. So let's. Uh, let me just uh, put up the sound here. Uh, it's only 13 seconds. So. All right. He's still the champ. You may not ask me back for another one of these, but how the hell do you get DQ now? No, he didn't get DQ. The freaking self. The match. <laughs> I don't know if he got DQ. Well, they're raising the cell now. So. <laughs> oh, <my God>. Thank you. <laughs> watch along watch might be my new way that I watch these. And Sean Waltman uh, should be on every one of them. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Caller, you're on, on the line. What's uh, How do you get DQ'd in a hell on a cell? Hello, caller. You're on the John, line. John and what? Oh, I'm on the line. It's MJ. Hey, MJ. What's up? Hey. Uh... John hit a great point. It's the reason I wanted to call in, not talk about the whatever it was we just watched. Anytime I make how a great point, this? I love to hear about it. How, how do you do this of all week? You debuted on Fox. You had potential new eyeballs. You're pushing them to the network. You haven't grown subscriber numbers in several quarters. You have competition at your heels on Wednesday night, and you piss off your fans and run this kind of show. Mm-hmm. And I'll let you guys talk about that. Thank you, MJ. Listen, I, I don't think this was um, a show that was probably heavily watched in comparison to, to other pay-per-view events. It doesn't matter. I, I just think it le- for those, it, to me, even if it's a small number, it's yeah. your diehard fan base that got no big promotion for this show that are watching out of a loyalty to your product, more, more likely than not. They've just watched a lot of wrestling. More so week. than that, word spreads. And anybody who was at least interested in checking out the results knows that WWE had a really bad main event tonight. So, you know, I think that matters a lot more. Those- Hello, caller. You're on the line. Please turn down your uh, radio. Oh, oh, sorry, man. My bad. Oh, boy. We stay in New Jersey. <laughs> and Brandon, what did you think of Hell in a Cell? Our own version of The Fiend. <laughs> was good, man. Yo. Yeah, that's Should I put the awesome, red filter right? back on? Was it? Was that your match of the year, Brandon? <laughs> oh, dude. That's up there with Israel Adesanya's walkout last night. <laughs> oh, oh did you see the walkout way? No. Oh, oh, yeah, I did. I did. I did. It was awesome. really cool. That was a, that was a much better show and a much better main event. Yeah, oh, no. um, he'll be he'll he'll be John Joe next year. By the way, um, back to the Hell in the Cell match. Uh, yeah, it was kind of wacky. Uh, I, I, <laughs> who, whose idea was that, man? I, was, I, I thought the match was. I was like, I was looking at my watch. I was like, man, this is going way too long. <laughs> I was expecting like a 
a way out of the match, but I mean, it just kept going and going. Listen, the the silver lining was they were done that show at 10, 18 PM. And I can't discount that as a, as a thank you that they got the show done at a reasonable time that we didn't have to, we didn't even hit 10 30. So I I was not complaining about that at all. Oh, no doubt. Cause they started like an hour early, right? Uh, they they always start the main show at seven, so we 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 still got, I mean even so if you include the kickoff it it was still four plus hours of a of a show tonight but nonetheless uh, any other thoughts on the show Brandon? Yeah, the, the Kabuki Warriors and the Mist Shades uh, <laughs> of Great Mood. I love that. I thought, I thought I wish it was a fitness like the cage tonight at, at the Hell in the Cell, but I guess it got to be TV fourteen. But. Uh, yeah, and AEW's rating uh, on Wednesday, they, they got to be pleased, tickled, tickled to death with, with tonight, right? They're probably going to get a big rating next week, huh? Do you think that AEW maintains their audience from last week? Do you think it'll be down slightly? Or do you even think it could be higher coming off of the buzz of week one? I, I predict you guys are going to have a bigger mailbag on Thursday. Because okay. I think Ooh. it's going to be a hot rating. All right. Well, thank you, Brandon. We always appreciate the I call. love you guys. All right. Have a good night. You take care. See you, Brandon. Uh, do we want to go to the forum calls? Where do you want to go? Let's go to another phone call before we get to the forum. And this caller, you are on the line on the post wrestling post office. What did you think of Hell in a Cell? Hey, this is a man from New Jersey. Oh, we stay in a trifecta. Wow, New Jersey. We're Damn. huge in New Jersey. The Jersey triad is completed. Ahmad, what did uh, you think? Uh, I would like to say that I was the first uh, New Jersey post wrestling. Fan, I guess. Are uh, you are you about to tell me, Ahmad, that of all these WWE pay per views that come and go, tonight was the night you decided to sit down and watch a show? <laughs> yeah, and I was not going to do it, but then my plans were uh, canceled for tonight, so I got so I opted to stay in to watch, and it wasn't it wasn't great. It was a really bad show, as you guys have outlined. Um, I just wanted to call in and ask. What's the structure within that company that that main event was okay? Like, got the okay? Do they do they not know? Or do they not care about Seth being booed? Or, I, I mean, know, one thing to add here, like we we do know now, like it is separate creative teams between Raw and SmackDown. They have split the 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 two sides. So this would so was this a Paul Heyman call? I mean, this was a Raw program. So ultimate, I mean, ultimately, it's Vince McMahon, but. Paul Heyman is he is your executive producer on Raw, so ultimately, like those are the filters at the top. A DQ from from the mind of ECW, really? I just I I I I I don't really. I mean, I can only you know assume that they didn't want to beat Seth and they didn't want to beat the Fiend, and that's what you ended up with. And you know what? That's when you have that conversation uh, six weeks ago before you start advertising this because mm-hmm. uh, why are we doing this match? That would be my question. Was there anything you enjoyed about I, the show, Ahmad? Uh, the first match was pretty good with Becky, uh, Becky and Sasha, and I thought the Brian and, and Rowan match eventually picked up uh, towards the end. But I think you know, uh, for me, the prevailing theme of the show is no one is really over, <laughs> even even uh, Seth, who's your world champion, is not over, and obviously they they did the stuff with Kofi. Uh, on Friday, so I don't know. Like uh, I know there's all this like buzz about Pumpkin. Maybe one day he'll show up. Uh, I don't know if he wants to come back to this. This is really not the. the I don't know. I want to go back. Well, thank you, Ahmad. I'm sure uh, we will find out soon enough. 
the fate of uh, one Phil Brooks. <laughs> Thank you, Ahmad. All right, guys. I mean, it is an issue when it comes to, you know, especially on the babyface side. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, really no no even mention of, of Kofi tonight in terms of uh, follow-up there uh, of where they go. That That's all going to be safe for TV. But, you know, th- this has been a company that's really struggled when it comes to finding babyfaces and building them to be bigger babyface stars. They've had a really, really tough time with, with those. Like, Reigns has cooled significantly, mm-hmm. even from where he was. Like, would you rather this versus the Roman Reigns that, yeah, he was getting a lot of booze, but was also getting a lot of cheers. And it was mixed, but it was it it was a lot bigger of a reaction than he's getting now, where he's kind of just settled into this place where, yeah, it's largely a positive reaction, but it's you just sit down and watch and you tell me who are the top five stars in this company. I don't know if you're necessarily saying Roman Reigns if you're a fresh viewer watching this for the first time. I would hope that at the end of today's uh, match with with Brian, that that whole thing was wrapped up, you know, and that we can put the the who killed Roman Reigns murder of summer 2019 behind us. Maybe he and Brian even separate ways and Roman becomes the face of one brand. Brian moves into another brand and we get Roman Reigns. That program, you could certainly see getting split up where, yeah, I, I could definitely see it. Like it did feel like he got the win back on Rowan on SmackDown. The Harper took the fall tonight, but you're right. Like there isn't a whole lot where we can go. And they ended it with a hug with Reigns and Daniel Bryan. So it really did that feel really is a finality. Not the hell in a cell, but a hug. No, the hug is now. Now it's a hug in a cell, and that is uh that is how they may move on now. All right, let's go to one more phone call before we get to the feedback on the forum. Uh and we'll get to more phone calls if they come in, but we want to give some love to uh, our forum posters as well. But uh Neil, you're on the line. Neil, what'd you think of Hell huh? in a Cell? Hi guys. Well, I mean, it's all been said. It was absolutely dreadful. Well, the first, the first maybe forty-five minutes to an hour were not bad, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's, it was terrible. But I'll start with a bit of positivity if I can, which yes. is to say, um, I'm not much of a fan of UFC or MMA, but um, I've had a very quiet weekend, and I thought, well, I'll just listen to John and Phil's review of last night, and. Even though I didn't know really what you were talking about too much, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the podcast. So, um, you know, it's just a testament to uh, to how engaging a broadcaster you are, John. Well done. And Phil, of course, as well. But I really did enjoy that little bit at the end about the um, – well, you injected some pro wrestling chat with the um, the idea of Luke – uh, rock hold I, I think we should switch. I think we should switch places. I think Phil should do the next Hell in a Cell, uh, the next <laughs> WWE pay per view. I'd love to. He hear wouldn't last. Thoughts. There's no way. <laughs> well, it was very funny because Phil just. I mean, when when um, when John was talking about um, Luke Rockhold with an Orange Cassidy gimmick, Phil was just going, Whoa. "What?" You know, over <laughs> my head. Oh yeah. <laughs> and in fairness, some of the things you were talking about were over my head, but it was still. Still a very good show, but on to Hell in a Cell. Um, I think something that was clear today tonight was that philosophically, at the moment, TV is their absolute priority. Mm-hmm. You know, we're so used to to the TV shows hammering us with the it's only nine ninety nine. Make sure you get the network, 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 network. And today it seemed like they were flogging the TV shows to network subscribers because it was all Tyson Fury's on on um, Raw tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, and that, as John mentioned, the entirety of that um, um, triple threat match was, or sorry, uh, six man tag was um, really to get over uh, Strowman's punch, 
Um, so that was all to do with Fury and Raw. And they did hugely long recaps of SmackDown. So it, it was all seemed to be, you know, watch our TV shows. And maybe that's because a lot of network people um, will just watch the pay-per-views and rely on the video packages for the stories. And you obviously weren't going to get that tonight because half the matches didn't have any build. And I also thought if I can just one more thing, because I know I go on all the time, but um, the Raw announced team tonight were dreadful. I thought way worse than they were last Monday. I thought, I mean, the idea hopefully will be for them to improve, but King was dreadful. Dio was dreadful. Um, and, um, Vic was kind of anonymous. I just thought they were very poor this evening, and it wasn't just because they were sh- they were calling bad matches. And the only the only logical explanation I could come up with for the bell ringing was that the ref was call- was maybe calling the match off for medical reasons. He thought that the fiend had been killed, but <laughs> he wouldn't have thought the- that with all the all the other shit that they <laughs> they put on him before. Yeah, it's like the broken neck. And <laughs> no, you're quite right. I know I mean, I, that would be a stretch, and you would want the, the announcers to call it. Yeah, but uh, I, I just like that the the sledgehammer has now been elevated to the status of like uh, an AK-47 or something. Absolutely, yeah. It's it had the status of of uh, you know what is it an AR-15 or something like that. It was kind of what you know the ref the ref pleading with Seth. You know this is not who you are, Seth. You know it's like what <laughs> what is going on? Um, and finally, yeah, I, I just absolutely adore the idea of. Uh, the street profits completely shitting on the show. They should go back to them, go back to them backstage. Going, that was fucking awful. Why are you watching this? I, I just want through. the watch along with Sean Waltman. That sounds like that's that's <laughs> yeah. the he should be doing those segments. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Neil. Appreciate your thoughts as always. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, bye. Yeah, I, I go back to this, and you know, when, when you think about the the finish of the Hell in a Cell match, and I think this is what ultimately will will get on a lot of people is just like at times like the lack of care because if you are going to have this structure and you're pitching this finish and someone is to come up with the idea that well we've never done a DQ before in a hell in a cell this is this is supposed to be the ultimate have, but yeah oh right they did the the no contest last year right so to me you've got to have a hell of a reason to be able to pull off that. And I would never do that. I would never do that because there's no way that's getting any kind of positive reaction or you're just harming the gimmick. But right down to the amount of times we've seen Triple H use sledgehammers in a hell in a cell. And ultimately, it comes down to someone just ultimately saying, who cares? Like, that's it. Like, that's what it is. Like, we are not we are not loyal to our history. It is tonight. This is the way we're getting out of this match. And it's just like... it. I think that's where people get upset. It, that's what I call like a lazy finish where you, you don't care about uh, precedence or even trying to construct a world that has a, a certain believability to it. Yeah. As, as strange as that word is to use for this debacle tonight. I mean, in some ways, you know, you, you say that they don't care. I think they almost put too much care into it, too much thinking into it and too much willingness to try to protect everybody to make sure nobody takes a loss. When I think in execution, if you didn't want to make the fiend look bad, you probably shouldn't have booked him in this match because he comes out of this looking pretty bad. He didn't get the job done. He was beaten so badly, evidently, that it required a referee to come in and save him. To me, that's the perception that that something like that has. And, you know, coming out of it, I just I think it's a it's a less hard character, far less hard character. 
Let's go to the forum. Yeah, there's a lot here, so we're going to um, try and get to as much as we can here. Um, Alex writes in, that was utter and total incompetence. It started strong, but after two matches, completely derailed. Why is Asuka cheating to beat a team that bad? Why can't Bailey and Flair have a decent match? Why was the six-man even on this show? I don't even know what to say about the ending. I have no idea what happened. I think it was a DQ in a Hell in a Cell match. For what? Excessive violence? Isn't that the point of Hell in a Cell? Says this may have been the worst ending to a pay-per-view I've ever seen. We go to Brandon from Oshawa, who says, I was prepared to say Hell in a Cell stole the week. The first two matches were tremendous. Even Orton Ali was decent, and then it just slowly started to go downhill into one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in wrestling. What in God's name made anyone think that was a good ending? I could suspend my disbelief a lot, but this was just too much, and I knew The Fiend wouldn't win. I was prepared for a shit show finish. I have no words to describe this, though. Moving on, we continue on with Hagaki. All right, so the bar was very low for me to begin with. I fell asleep a few times, played my Switch a bunch, and gave my attention to that main. That was stop watching Heat. It's getting harder and harder to sign up for these free trials. One out of ten. Man. We got a Noah from Vaughn who says, Imagine having the DQ in a no DQ Hell in a Cell match. This company deserved those AEW chants and then some. Felt so bad for those in attendance who not only had to sit through that awful main event, but in that stupid night lighting no less. Horrible. Can't wait for next episode of Dynamite. Jeff in St. Louis, between the $10 I pay, presumably for the network, and for your site, I pay $192 a year for wrestling. I think I really might be done. Not switch to AEW, but unsubscribing to everything done. Oh, great. So, so WWE has now harmed, our, uh, harmed us. Uh, no high spot, no story, a DQ finish to a Hell in a Cell. Seth spamming finishes made no sense, and I feel stupid for watching all these years. I saw Hulk and Warrior and many other WWE events in St. Louis, and I don't even know what to think. If I quit at all, if I quit at all, just know I really love your work and MCU reviews. <laughs> I defeated Jeff in St. Louis. We uh, got a... We got a Damien from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who says, Decent show till that main event. A DQ and a Hell in a Cell. Come on, WWE. That was stupid. Way to have the fans chanting for your competition to close the show. Outside of the main, Orton versus Ali and the opening cell match were my favorites of the night. Ali has star potential, and the women were very innovative with that cell. I give it 6 out of 10. Chris from Pennsylvania, they were doing such a great job with The Fiend. I guess it was only a matter of time before they managed to screw it up. I'm having a hard time putting my utter confusion into words, but what was the point of putting Bray in the title match if you weren't going to put the belt on him? He says he gives us 3 out of 10 because the women's cell was fantastic and the tornado tag was surprisingly fun. But man, was this an awful ending to the show. Let's go back to the phones. Hansi, you're on the line. What's up? Yo, what's going on, guys? Uh, yo, thank you for reviewing that monstrosity of a show. I I liked uh, I liked two I liked two of the matches. Uh, obviously, the first match, Hell in the Cell, and uh, the Kabuki Warriors win. Uh, I I I thought that was cool, but then uh, you know, at first, I wasn't even against what was going on in the ring. I thought, okay, you know what? As ridiculous as all this is gonna be. If Bray Wyatt just puts a mandible claw and Seth Rollins is done, I'm all for this, right? And then when the when the when the whole DQ happened, it was just fun being on Twitter with all the reaction and all that, and then Xbox reaction. But listen, before I just wanted to drop by quickly, but yo, um, I don't know if you guys are gonna get get you to see the Goldberg stuff uh, that was on the network, but I'm telling you, it was worth it just to see uh, him and Matt Riddle have a confrontation because that actually was on. On the on the special where uh, 
uh, Goldberg was getting ready for his match and all that. It's a lot, I was actually a really good uh, highlight. If you guys get a chance, check that out. But uh, yeah, the show wasn't really that uh, great to me. But uh, thanks for reviewing it, man. I, I you guys, the highlight actually was you guys doing the 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 red cover shit. So thank you, th- thanks again, guys. <laughs> that's a, that's all way. No problem, Hansi. All right, uh, let's go back here. Uh, you go. We've got Eric from Sudbury who says, I don't watch wrestling that often anymore, but all the attention on this product this week made me curious. For the first three <laughs> matches. <laughs> well, what? Perfect example. For the first three matches, I was actually really into this show. I thought to myself, why did I stop watching again? This is pretty fun. And then the rest of the show hit, and I was reminded. Horrendous. As quick as they drew me in, they completely lost me. Is it confirmed that Kane and Fury are doing their respective programs in Saudi Arabia? That would be really disappointing as a pretty casual fan who would tune in otherwise. So Kane versus Brock, they that is the plan for Saudi Arabia, which I would imagine gets gets announced pretty soon. That show's coming up soon. Uh, I don't have it confirmed with Tyson Fury, but I'm... I'm expecting him to be on that Saudi Arabia card. So we'll know for sure tomorrow night with the angle, but that certainly is where you're being led to believe that it's going. And I mean, the reason is like they, these are huge money shows for them and they internally, like they look at these, like these have to be WrestleMania level shows for them. And you know, they're, they're going to go to these lengths and, and bring in it's, it's like your, your dream fed essentially Mm. putting together all, all this stuff. Um, Hmm. What what do you think about the, the the fallout from the two appearances on SmackDown and kind of the attention they received, specifically Kane, I guess? The fallout, as in... Like, uh, did you see it get a lot of attention, and yeah. is it something that... Uh, what do you think about them doing it in a couple of weeks? Uh, I think, you know, the Kane thing was met with a, a great deal of curiosity. Certainly Fury versus Strowman a lot, a lot less, at least from wrestling circles. I feel like there's a lot more crossover with uh, MMA and pro wrestling than maybe boxing and pro wrestling. But even so... Um, I f- was surprised that a lot of the f- the feedback I saw was people criticizing Cain Velasquez for his appearance, which I can understand if you've only watched professional wrestling and you've only been conditioned to watch, you know, action movies and like the figures that pro wrestling and WWE in particular have presented to you all these years. But if you're a fan of MMA and imp- <laughs> you don't need any more proof that the guy who looks like that was able to handily beat the guy who looks like Brock Lesnar. That's, we have video evidence. Like we don't have happened. to ask the if this was real. We know what happened when this was was real. Yeah. It's so it's I, not hard to believe. I don't us. know. I, I don't know what it is, but like I you know, I grew up and I, I've watched pro wrestling and I've seen ridiculous bodies my whole life, but I've never had the hang up about size discrepancy, about like quote unquote the look and it's like I don't know. It's just like that's never to me like a big hurdle for me have to to have to ever get over. And maybe a lot of it is the MMA influence because you see what happens and what guys that you would perceive to be like these jacked up dudes. Like we've seen those guys do real fights, and it's usually oh, not yeah. a pretty picture at the end. Kimbo Slice was not a great MMA fighter, everybody. Um, but you know, I, I think it's a perception that's clearly changing. But it still really exists in, in pro wrestling. You know where it was a lot of guys I thought got exposed? It was when Conor McGregor was doing all his stuff. And what was their comeback? That you'd only be on 205 Live here. Like it was a size thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like this guy is bigger than anybody combined in this company right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but that is the mentality, I think, that if you've come up from wrestling, it's that that's, oh, you're small. That's the negative. Anyway. 
Sam from Tennessee. I was all set to come to this forum and say what I thought was a pretty good show. Then that main event happened. What should have been a five to ten minute sprint with The Fiend was turning into a dreadfully long beatdown. I could have accepted the format if Bray just stood up and destroyed Rollins after everything to win the title, but that DQ was awful. Anyway, first two matches were really great, and I enjoyed the Charlotte Bailey match. The middle portion of the show could have been trimmed down some, but wasn't bad overall. It's a shame that the main event had to bring the whole show down. I mean, let's be realistic. Like This, sh- this should have been a three-match show. Really, but they needed meaningless matches to fill out the rest of this card because they, they had no time to build anything else. You, you know what I actually thought of today that I knew a thousand percent they would they would not do, but you know, just may, maybe it was because you know you see the format of like what AEW does. But you know, you had promoted four matches going into today, and you could argue they wanted Braun on this show to get the punch over. Okay, okay fine, fine, I'll give you five matches. That if you were to just throw out a show that was two hours in length on the network, and then for your live crowd, we'll throw some matches on after that Hell in a Cell match. Listen, not ideal, not ideal, but I also think that there is something to say about we respect your time and let's give you a bite-sized version of a show that I don't think would have got that many complaints from people. Of just put out, imagine this show if, granted, there was nothing saving it with the Bray-Seth Rollins match, but if you had gotten... Becky and Sasha, the ta- the tornado tag. Oh, like a takeover. Exactly. Yeah. If you had done that, and granted, a better finish for the main event, five matches, two hours, yep. I think everyone would have left that show saying, that was a lot of fun. That was like an in and out fun show. <laughs> that main event would have killed anything, but yeah, you you're could, right. You could have thrown out you know, your AJs <laughs> or whoever after the fact for the live crowd. They yeah. get their three plus hours that they paid for. Mm-hmm. Not the perfect thing, but I think like the idea that we've got to do these marathon shows all the time. I never hear people ever leaving uh, MMA cards, pro wrestling shows, ever saying, God, I wish it was longer. Now, now it, it, is it something they have to fulfill for maybe like broadcast pay-per-view purposes or for the, you know, fitting into a time slot for f- anytime they want to air a pay-per-view on the network or for DVDs, like could could it be something that we're not thinking about right now? Uh, I mean, you do have your pay per view window that's reserved, and obviously it's it's a longer window that they reserve, so that that is uh, a factor in there. But you're not, I mean, if you're doing uh, essentially a two and a half hour show, mm-hmm. all, all, all told, and you're not even like throwing in the kickoff and all that. I mean, it's it's ultimately you're you're looking at what is to me the best viewer experience. Two forty seven is solid to me. That's what the the World Rumble nineteen ninety four was. I sat through that thing in one sitting this afternoon. It was so good. Okay, I couldn't do the Royal Rumble in one sitting. That oh was really? A, that was an interesting show. I love that show. That we're, is Tuesday. Everyone, we're reviewing that on Tuesday. Uh, Bret Hart uh, and Owen Hart kicking Bret Hart's leg out of his leg. The Undertaker versus the Yokozuna in a casket match in a Royal Rumble featuring. A very controversial finish. Controversy ending a pay-per-view done in the right way, I would say. Now, what if they had killed Bray Wyatt by putting him in a casket that exploded and he elevated into the rafters? In front of that crowd, uh, it would have absolutely worked. Listen, yeah. to be fair, if that casket match in 94 happened at the end of this pay-per-view, we'd be getting the exact same reaction. Uh, I don't know. That would not play well today. Eh. There's no way. You could argue it didn't play well then. Okay, at least that had a finish. Okay. It did have a finish. That had a, a, a concrete finish, and, and it was all the heels ganging up in order to defeat this unbeatable like entity called The Undertaker. But it killed The Undertaker. To rebrand him no, no, no. or something I'm, else. I'm being facetious oh, that okay. they beat The Undertaker, and it wasn't the death of The Undertaker. It, it no. was the literal death of The Undertaker, but the character absolved the loss. and It was, was the evolution of The Undertaker. It's like... 
you know, I think sometimes they really overlook sometimes the right the right win can really help and the wrong loss can very much hurt you. Yeah. But it's very rare when people go in and say, we can't beat this guy now. Odds are you can, to be honest. You mean beat Bray Wyatt? I'm saying either guy losing tonight, I don't think would have been the absolute death. You could have absolutely beaten Seth. And I think that was actually the right thing to do because Bray coming out of this, not having the championship just makes that character look weak. I think. Again, it goes back to, if you didn't have a finish, why did you book the match? We got a Joey from Queens. What a waste of three hours. Unless I missed it, there were only four matches announced for this card, and the rest were just slapped together random nonsense with no story or build behind it. This pay-per-view was the quintessential monthly obligation show, and that's bad enough. But what the fuck was that main event? The Fiend got very little offense, and to top it all off, we got a think of your legacy moment followed by the most ridiculous ending to a main event match i've ever seen the fiend rising from the dead at the end was cool but to see him put the mandible claw and rollins to a chorus of aew chants is really lame considering how hot he was after SummerSlam. all right we uh continue on here with uh let's go to chris from new south wales australia first cell match was really good unfortunately that was the high point of the show randy winning while giving the nod of approval to ali was a nice touch it'll be interesting to see whether they do something with him after the draft i'm interested to see what direction they go with bailey after losing the main event what can you say not only did they kill all of seth's finishers it got so far beyond ridiculous it became comical i think that's two dq cell finishes two years running just killed the pay-per-view now did not enjoy the blood spot at the end of the show where do you guys go from that three out of ten Go to Brandon from Caledonia who says, what am I even watching? Aren't probably what you'd want someone to say during your main event, but that's the only thing I could say about whatever that was supposed to be. The rest of the card was very mediocre, but I only cared about the main event, so the quality of the other matches really didn't matter to me. But then to go out and do that. I always hate when people get overly dramatic and say they'll never watch WWE again, but after that, AEW may be the only thing I watch on a weekly basis. Um, to compare to last year, what the finish was, as I've I had totally forgotten it, is it's Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman with Mick Foley as the referee. And Brock Lesnar makes the surprise appearance with Heyman, tears off the door, and then takes out both guys with F5s. And then they... Called the match? They The match gets uh, thrown out here. So uh, Roman Reigns ends up retaining the Universal title, which... That sucks for a finish, but I would say at the very least, you got a surprise appearance. Mm. Yeah, okay. Like, I really thought that's where we were going tonight with, like, The Undertaker showing up to do something with The Fiend, and it wouldn't be a satisfying finish, but I didn't think we were going to get a satisfying finish going into this, but you'd at least get the unexpected pop with The Undertaker, but... They didn't even go to that. I I would say this, it's not even close, which was worse between last year and this year. Yeah. We got a Biff who says, I signed up just to have a laugh over this one. (laughs) I was in a network meeting on Friday discussing going head to head with SmackDown on another network, telling executives that WWE will poo the bed in no less than three weeks. I was wrong. It only took three days. The show wasn't awful, but the ending was. WWE women's wrestling is alive and well. Thank you guys for the hours of entertainment. Yeah, uh, Biff Lawson is a big mover and shaker out there with a BH1. You can follow him at Biff Lawson. Uh, guy who uh, gave me a, a complimentary pen when we met him in uh, in New York oh, over wow. WrestleMania weekend. Oh, a pen. Yes. What kind of pen? Uh, it was, he. we were at the MLW show and he gave me a, a pen that was a, a Jim Cornette <laughs> Uh, official pen and it had like his name written on a it or something Jim like Cornette that. Jim Cornette pen. I That's believe right. so. Yes. Yes. Anyway. So oh, lovely. Biff's a good guy. Thanks, Biff. Uh, 
let us continue on here. Oh, look at this. The celebrities keep rolling in. Scrump, who has become an official podcaster because he is not Scrump from Chicago. He is Scrump from the Pro Wrestling Tees cast. So promoting his show. Promo, promo, promo. PWT cast, everybody. Yes. Uh, go, go subscribe and check out. We were on there a this, number of weeks ago. As was Braden. Scrump says, I just got out of the second screening of The Joker and was able to catch the main event. Really the only match I cared to see, as they only bothered to book four matches. <laughs> what a one-two combo. For yeah. Well, this one was booked by Jokers. Up until the end came uh, up until the end came up on the screen at my theater, I thought I wouldn't see a bigger clown than Joaquin Phoenix for the rest of the day. But then Vince McMahon said, hold my beer. Who forced WWE to book this match? Did I miss the article on WWE management having a gun held to their head? Or maybe he means a pedigree held to their head. Uh, uh, and being forced to do this. If they didn't want Seth or Bray to lose, then why are we even having a match? I know it's wrestling, but I just ask for some semblance of logic and thought. Hopefully, Bray can bounce back from this as angles like this is what killed his character the first time. Take care, boys, and go watch that Joker movie if you have not. I have not seen it yet because this has been the most insane several-day stretch I can yeah. recall. But my plan is to try and go this week sometime during the day. And I got my it. tickets for Tuesday. Nice. So I'll be I, I've heard it's. I've it. heard it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I hear, I hear, I hear a lot of things about it. Actually, oh, so, okay. Are you going to talk about it? I'll talk about it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe on Wednesday we'll, we'll mention it. Now that I probably won't see it by Wednesday. But, oh, uh, I'll wait till you. Yeah, come on, man. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> we got a Jake from Hamilton. I've been listening for years, but never felt left feedback before. But damn, I'm pissed. Maybe this did great things for us on on Sunday night. I think. Like, look at all this feedback we got for the show. I was not expecting this level. I mean, there's, you know, it's been a week of a lot of activity, I would say, in the wrestling world, in particular our forum, but uh, this was enough to... Hey, Hell in a Cell found its place in the sandbox this week. A very crowded sandbox, but they found their lane this week. I take so much crap from my friends and family that that I still watch wrestling. (laughs) I always say, no, it's good. It's about the story and the moment. My father, mother, and girlfriend sat in the living room tonight and watched whatever the hell happened in the main event. Oh, God. I gloated about how, how awesome Hell in a Cell is because there's no DQ. And then they had to, and then I had to explain why he was DQ'd. From there, a man was choked to the point where he coughed up blood. I'm embarrassed. I hope AEW does $10 million on Wednesday. I'm going to stick to listening to your reviews. I'm done. I just can't anymore. I'm so embarrassed that I watched this crap. Man, no one lost in that main event, but a lot of defeated people made it to our forum tonight. It's going to be okay, everyone. We're going to get you through it. Bob writes in, I enjoyed the creativity of the first Hell in a Cell match with Sasha and Becky. Brian and Reigns versus Rowan and Harper was a nice, hard-hitting affair. Interesting choice to give Asuka the mist. I'd like to hope that the Kabuki Warriors could help raise the status of those titles, but I'm not going to hold my breath. I made a quick food run and came back during Corbin Gable, which was all right. At first, I thought Graves was just being a jerk when Gable was announced as Shorty, but that's just too much. I think they were doing an all right build-up for the Fiend in the main event, but if you didn't want to put the belt on him, why even book him? Feels like they had no way out but a terrible decision to disqualify Seth in the cell, which makes absolutely no damn sense. I don't fault the crowd for the booze and AEW chance at the end. Alrighty. Uh, we should end off here, John. How about that? With, All right. Uh, you picked the last one. Luke in Quebec, who says, I'm seeing a lot of people understandably upset at the DQ finish. But did anyone notice how Rollins used about 35 stomps in that match? Or we, did I hallucinate? 
That finisher is worth absolutely nothing now. There's making your monster heal look strong, like Lesnar needing two or three of them to be pinned, and then there's having somebody kick out of 12 finishers in a row. That's where you descend into goofy as hell territory and completely lose your audience. Instead of The Fiend looking strong, everyone involved in this mess looks completely ridiculous and without any credibility. How did nobody talk Vince out of this one? Is he actually trying to sabotage his own company? Maybe WWE staff need to start their own impeachment procedure okay jeez you guys are really entertaining today oh my god well uh that's gonna i guess wrap up the show everybody this was uh, i mean for all the talk about like all the disagreements that wrestling brings about i mean it's nothing like an awful show that brings everyone together where we had pretty much uniformity of what matches people enjoyed and more importantly which ones they hated on this show specifically the main event like this was as consistent a level of feedback and calls that we've ever gotten everyone agreed on this this yeah. was like a straight 3027 scorecard it that was... every judge turned in tonight that watched this show no it was unanimous for it sure it was an absolute unanimous decision so thanks everybody uh what a show way and i are going to be back on monday night with rewind to raw chatting the show from bakersfield california uh we have shows every single day this week uh up until the weekend and even through it. So the whole schedule will be out Monday. Uh, but we want to thank all of you for joining us tonight. Uh, for those that ch- checked out the post show live, thank you for coming to check it out. After all of the WWE AEW pay-per-views, we go live for our double-double ice cap and espresso patrons. And if you are a new member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, uh, regardless of whatever level, we had uh, a really big uh, surge over the last uh, week or so. So I want to thank all the new members of the Post Wrestling Cafe as well. And... That's about it, Way. Anything else to uh, leave us with? Any any words of encouragement? <laughs> oh. <laughs>